Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you to North Star as we wrap up our Christmas series today and get ready for Christmas week, and it's gonna be fun. So, need you to do me a favor. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter nine. If you're like, Mike, this is new. I don't know where it's at. Go to the Old Testament. Just start flipping pages. You'll run into it. Isaiah, if you get to Matthew, you went too far. Go back left, all right, to help you out. Isaiah chapter nine. If you've got our app, that is by far the easiest way to follow on the App Store, North Star Church, Georgia, in the App Store, and all the notes will be right there. It's probably the easiest way to follow along. I don't know about you, I needed this morning. Didn't these guys do a great job this morning? Would you let them know how great they did? Man, Seth was singing a holy night. And I'm singing it, and I, when I sing it, it doesn't sound like him. I don't know what happens. I guess that corner of the room. Sometimes, so all our musicians have what they call in-ears. So they've got these in-ear monitors in that they can hear the mix and hear each other. Sometimes, accidentally, they put me singing into their ears. It's not a joyful noise, all right? And so you'll see them popping their ears out. It's pretty funny. But anyways, such a good, good time. Christmas Eve, I'm just gonna tell you, Larry hit it. You don't wanna miss it. You don't want to miss. I got to see the final product. We filmed it a couple weeks ago. I think you're really, really gonna enjoy it. And I've invited tons of our friends. In fact, past two days, we've been doing deliveries to houses, inviting friends that may not go to church, and I don't think go to church, inviting them to be our guests. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Let's pick up the story. Um, hundreds of years before the time of Christ, God had a word. Here, here was the problem. Man was here, God was here, and the relationship was broken, okay? It had been that way since the beginning, and so God had to figure out a way to redeem that relationship and let them know there is one that is to come that's a game changer. There is one that is to come that's gonna make all things right. So God speaks to this guy named Isaiah to write these words because he's speaking of one who has not come yet, but he is to come. Now, when Isaiah wrote this, these were not Isaiah's ideas. These were not things that Isaiah woke up and went, wow, I think I had a really good premonition and I'm gonna write these things down. These are God speaking to Isaiah to write down because he knew that thousands of years later, you and I are gonna be sitting in a room and we were gonna need everything he wrote. Now, at the top of your outline, before we even read it this morning, there's a little quote, and the quote is this. Jesus is the only one qualified to bring hope to our world. He's the only one. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. He's the only one qualified to bring hope to our world. Can we all agree there's not a political party or a political person that can bring hope to our world? Can we agree with that? How many of y'all would give money today not to look at another ad. Wouldn't you though? I was on YouTube the other day watching a pitching lesson for something I'm working on and I got a, a political ad. I'm like, I just wanna watch the pitching lesson. I don't wanna watch a political ad, but you see it all the time. Nothing can bring hope to our world but Jesus. Long before Jesus lived, Isaiah wrote these words from God to us. Would y'all stand with me today as we read this together? Isaiah chapter nine. If you're watching online, if you're in your living room or your bedroom, stand up. If you're driving, please stay seated. All right, here we go. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two. Isaiah pins these words 
The people who walked in, what's the next word he used? Darkness. It's interesting. The people who walked in darkness. Darkness, when he wrote this, stood for two things. Evil, ignorance. Sometimes we walk in darkness because we don't know that there's something better. That's ignorance, right? Sometimes people walk in darkness because they just don't understand. That, that's ignorance. Sometimes we walk in darkness because we live in a dark world, all right? So I am 51 years old. The world 51 years later is smarter, but it's not better, right? It's like every year we live, there's a new way to be and do evil. Would y'all agree with that? I mean, it's just sort of, so evil and ignorance are darkness. Listen to what he said. The people who walked in darkness, they've seen a great, what's the next word? Light. All of a sudden, Isaiah introduces this word that is gonna be used all throughout the gospels. This word, light, because we need light the most when we are in what? Darkness. Let's keep reading. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Verse six. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We know that who Isaiah wrote about, his name is who? What's his name? Help me out again. What's his name? You're in church. Always go with Jesus. It always works out. It works out really well. His name is what? Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. After Isaiah wrote these words, there was silence for 400 years. 400 years, people waited on this one. They kept looking, they kept waiting. And on a night, 2,000 years ago, a little girl named Mary and a little boy named Joseph and some shepherds met the one he wrote about. And today, we're gonna meet him too. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing this morning, right where you're seated this morning, wherever you are, would you ask the Lord to speak to you, would you? God, I don't know how you do this. This is a supernatural thing, but God, I ask that you would pull up a chair in each of our lives. God, I ask that you would speak to us. I ask that you would show us, show light in our darkness so we could know the one that Isaiah wrote of and we could know the one that Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds met that night the one who changed all our calendars from B.C. to A.D., the one who split history, and the one we need to figure out who he is to us. So, Father, do your work. Speak to our lives. And, Father, we give it over to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Before you're seated, 
no touching, no high-fiving. Turn around and wish everybody around you a Merry Christmas. Would y'all do that? Then you can be seated. So why should we put our hope in Jesus? And I love what Larry said. Why does Christmas matter? Why does all this matter? Why do we go to all the trouble putting our production together? Why do we go to all the trouble churches all over the world and say we collectively as a church? Why does everybody go to all this trouble to make this happen? Why does Jesus matter? So in the year 2020, in the craziness of this year, what difference does Jesus really make? Well, when Isaiah wrote these words down, remember, these aren't Isaiah's ideas. These are God's ideas. God is giving a descriptor of the Savior that come. Everybody look at me. So when you meet Jesus now in 2020 and you begin a relationship with him now, these are the things that he is and he will be and can be to you. Pen, pencil, something to write with or thumbs to type with this morning. I want you to write down a couple thoughts. There's four things Isaiah tells us that Jesus is and why we should put our hope in him. Number one, he is a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. So let's just think on a common human level. We need counselors when we need someone to help us discover things that are going on, right? Uh, in the year 2012, we went through a really hard time and I needed to see a physical counselor. Why? Because that I don't know better, no, but I needed somebody outside my life to speak in to my life. It's interesting he uses this phrase, wonderful counselor. I want you to write this little thought down. We're going to talk about it. He truly understands me, and he'll guide me through the good times and the dark times. I want you to write this down under number one. Ready? He gets me. He's a wonderful counselor because he gets me. He understands me. Boy, we're all looking on this journey in life to be understood at your deepest human level. When the lights are out, Nobody cares who you are. He gets you. He knows everything about you, and he loves you anyways. And he knows not only where you are now, he knows where you're, you've been, and he knows where you're going. He is a wonderful counselor. And you know what I love about that phrase? Every counselor here which is a great thing, but they've got to get continuing ed and learning and continue to grow and, and read new books and study new things. He needs no counsel, right? He has it all. He's a wonderful counselor. Let me ask you this question. If you're going to a counselor, let's put it on an earthly level. If you're going to a counselor, would you want to go to someone you could trust, yes or no? Yes, you don't want somebody to leave there and go, let me tell you what Mike said today. All right, we don't want that. We're looking for a counselor we can trust. He's a counselor you can trust. He stood the test of time. He's never gonna let you down and he's never gonna leave you short and he's never gonna lead you the wrong way. He is a wonderful counselor. He gets you. When you look in the mirror and go, there's nobody that understands me. He gets you. 
Let's just face it. We look in the mirror and don't understand ourselves half the time, all right? And so, but he looks at you and he gets you. Hebrews says he is one that can sympathize with your weaknesses because he's experienced them. But not only is he a wonderful counselor, he's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. Here's the word I think of there. Would you write this word down? Strong. We need him to be strong, don't we? I don't need him to be weak. I don't need him to be soft. I don't need him to, well, I hope he can come through and I hope the moment's not too big for him. Listen to what he said. He's not only a wonderful counselor that stands alongside you. Get this, everybody. He is strong. He is a mighty God. He's bigger than anything you're ever gonna face. He's bigger than anything you're ever going to walk up on. He's a mighty God. He's a ruler. See, everybody who heard this back then, they thought that when he came, he was gonna be all these things now. And he is, but he hasn't taken up reign here. Look at the little thought we put under there. He's more than a good teacher to be admired. He's God incarnate, and he's worthy of our worship. He doesn't, so let's just say it this way. He's not good that you know about him. He wants you to know him. He's a mighty God, and he shares his throne with nobody or nothing. And listen, we live in a world where there's a lot of things battle for our attention, right? He stands alone. So this week, so I grew up, in the 80s, big baseball fan growing up. And there was a player that burst on the scene in the 1980s named Daryl Strawberry. I don't know if you remember who Daryl Strawberry was. Some of you are going, it's Christmas and a sports reference. Welcome to North Star. All right? And so Daryl Strawberry was a great right fielder, came out with the Mets, burst on the scene at 21. I mean, the kid was a said six foot six, sweet left-handed swing, played with the, played with the the uh, Mets played for a period of time with the Dodgers and the Giants and the Yankees. Um, but Daryl, for everything he had all on the field, had a lot of troubles off the field. Well, this past week, I got to interview Daryl for my podcast, and it was an awesome moment to talk to a guy, and I, wanna, and I say that just to share this. Daryl said, Mike, I spent my whole life being something for somebody. And I got to the place that I was empty, I was broken, and I was alone. And your biggest fear is what he said. My biggest fear is who can I trust because everybody wants something from me. And I met Jesus, and this is what he said. And he wanted nothing, he just wanted me. He's a mighty God. And he said, when he stepped in my life 19 years ago, he changed everything. And I love talking about baseball. It's fun. But I sure rather talk about Jesus because it lasts. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God. But look at number three. He's an everlasting father. He's an everlasting father. He's an eternal God in the flesh and will always take care of me 
as a father cares for his children. He'll always care for me. So we hear everlasting father, and I think of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not what he's talking about. It's not what Isaiah was talking about. What Isaiah is talking about is an earthly father who walks and works with his children. How many parents in the room? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Nothing prepares you for, so if you're in the room and you're a student, you don't know what you don't know. Nothing prepares you for being a parent, right? When, when you're an earthly father, the love that you have for your kids, there's no way to measure. I remember hearing this little phrase, you're only as happy as your saddest child. That is a true phrase. When your kids are down, you're down. When your kids are up, you're up. It's the way that it is. I love, so my two do not live at home. They're 26 and 23. They, they're out, they're doing their thing on their own now, but I still love them as a father. They are, Casey's taller than me, which he brings up quite constantly, and so he's stronger than me, which he does bring up as well, and so, but I will always be his father. There's an earthly love that I have that you can't take away. I remember years ago, I see Bonnie sitting back here. For years, Daniel Hoover was our worship pastor and that was phenomenal. And he would sing, Oh Holy Night was the song he would sing a lot on Christmas Eve. And I remember Daniel's probably 35 or 40. And I remember his dad sitting right over there with a camera, taking a picture of the screen while Daniel sang. Daniel's a grown man and his dad's snapping a shot of the screen. Why? Because he's still his father. You love him. As a father, you never stop caring for your kids and you never stop paying for dinner. That is one thing I do have a problem with. It doesn't matter where we are. Kids got a full-time job. It doesn't matter. They're looking at the bill like it's got leprosy. They're like, Dad, I know, I know you're gonna get it, right? But it's, a, it's part of being an earthly father. And listen, we fall short. Daryl, in fact, it was funny. We were talking this week and he was talking about his brokenness with God began with his earthly father. And just a broken relationships in his new book that's coming out. We hear God the Father, and we struggle with that. God is everything you wished your earthly father could have been. He's comforting, he's caring, he's loving, he's strong, he's protecting. He's our everlasting father. He cares about your deepest needs. You're never catching him at a bad time. He's our everlasting father. And number four, he's our prince of peace. Whew. Man's here, God's here, and it's broken. When Isaiah wrote these words, he doesn't even know what he's writing about. God's just telling him, there's gonna be one that's to come that's gonna bring peace. He's gonna bring these two sides. He's gonna bring them together. And that's what Jesus did. He put skin on. He came to earth to bring peace. He is the prince of peace. One day, one day there'll be a day, there will be peace because that prince will take the throne that's his. He just hasn't yet. He's the prince of peace. I love He's the only one who can reconcile sinful God and holy, sinful man and holy God through faith in Jesus. We can have our sins forgiven and we can find peace with God. Many times we want the peace of God, but we will never find the peace of God till we find peace with God. 
I invite Larry to come on out. Larry's been, Larry and I have been friends since the early 90s. Larry, when you hear the Prince of Peace, what comes to your mind when you hear that? What would you say? When I hear it, I think my mind immediately goes to people who don't have it. Like I think about, even when I think about Christmas time and most of us, you know, family's good and we're going to eat and whatever. I think about those people who really struggle during this time of year and the fact they don't have peace and Jesus wants to be the answer to that. But sometimes there's a disconnect, you know, but... What's it like, because you work with people for a long time, what's it like when somebody doesn't have peace? What would you say? I think when they don't have it, well, I will say this. I think we were all created with this like innate need, desire for it. And man, we do everything we can to try to find it. It's this legitimate God-given need, but they, they try everything, what crazy stuff, trying to find peace, you know? And then I think about where Paul in Philippians, he talks about worry and anxiety. He's like, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. And that word worry, anxious, literally means to be pulled apart. And I think about people who feel like their life's falling apart, it's being pulled apart. But then his answer is, but take everything to God and the peace, and the word peace means hold together. The peace of God will, uh, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You know, it's funny. Isaiah wrote this for 400 years prior mm-hmm to the time of Christ. And on that night, the shepherds saw him. They came and met him, but the world missed him. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people missed him then? And why do you think it's possible people miss him now? What would mm-hmm. you say? It's fine. I think, I think people are, um, one, 400 years of not hearing from God seems crazy. But I think people even, like even in this room, they're here now and they're like, oh, I hear God now, but they feel like they didn't hear him all week. Like, man, where's God? I need to hear from God. I need a mission from God. And the reality is you and I both have done experiencing God. Like, God's always at work. The difference between most of the rest of this week and right now is that we slowed down long enough. Mm. God, I need to hear from you. And if my best worship this week, it's been really good today, but it was in my car this week. It was just worshiping him. Mm. And he spoke. Mm. So I think we, we get too busy and we try to figure it out ourselves. We try to like, we got great business leaders. You got a business plan, but we don't have that same intentionality with God or with our families. And so we miss it. You know, Steph, you've grown up around this. You grew up in church. Dad was a minister of music. You hear wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Which one of those titles that we know later we attributed to Jesus. Which one of those means the most to you? What would you say? I think probably it depends on the season that I'm in when I'm answering that. I think this year probably um, as a mom, as somebody who likes to have a plan and be in control and kind of know what's coming next and have a solution before there's a problem, Prince of Peace. Um, And I read a quote this week that I love that said, um, there are a lot of kings that started out as babies, but there was only one king who became a baby. And as a a mom of four, I think there's just something that is so um, disarming about 
about an infant, something so um, so gentle and so um, just so so tender and so precious. And so the fact that the king of the world would come as that, I think is just so amazing. And for me in the midst of all the crazy, um, what a great reminder to find hope in that birth. You know, it's so funny. We were talking earlier. The, every Jew knew this, knew this passage from Isaiah. And they were all waiting on that king to come. And he came as a baby. And so many missed him. To think Mary that night held that infant in her arms. And that was the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace. She held him. 12 days after they took him to the temple and there was a great leader named Simeon who saw him and said, he is the one I've waited on. He's the consolation of Israel. He met him that day and said, I can go now in peace. My prayer is, our prayer is, that you've met him too. Would you pray with me? I'm gonna pray with you. In a moment, Larry is gonna pray for you. Maybe you're in this room today. Maybe you're watching online and you're, man, you're traveling, you're out with family or you're one of my coaching buddies and you're in just another part of the United States tuning in this morning. You go, Mike, I don't know him. I don't. He's never been my savior. I know of him, like Daryl. I know of him. My mom's prayed for me, but I don't know him. Could I, could I introduce you to him this morning? It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, would you pray that? Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you live for me. I believe you died for me. Did you pray that? And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. If today you prayed that prayer, welcome home. That counselor, that mighty God, that everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace is now yours. Welcome home. Larry, would you pray over us this morning? Father, we pray for those who just, just ask you to be their Lord and Savior. God, I pray they'd take the next step and allow us to love them as our church family and help them grow in that. God, I pray for those today who need you to be present as wonderful counselor. They don't just need an everyday ordinary counselor. They need a supernatural counselor. God, they need supernatural direction and advice. God, would you, would you be a wonderful counselor in their life? Father, I pray for those 
who are listening and they, they need to know you in this season of their life as mighty God, as powerful hero, rescuer, deliverer, whether they're wrestling with addiction or they feel stuck or they're in darkness and they just need you to rescue them. God, whatever that looks like today, would you remind them that you are a mighty God and you have all power and whatever they're facing isn't too big for you? God, I pray for those today who need an Abba. They need a daddy. They need a heavenly father who's eternally there, who's consistent, who always gets it right, whose love never changes for them. God, would you wrap your loving arms around them today and remind them that you are their eternal Abba Father. And God, I pray for those today. Man, I just need peace. Gosh, the worry, the anxiety, feeling like it's all falling apart and I'm barely holding it all together. God, would you remind them today that they don't have to hold it all together. It's your job. You just want them to lean into you. Remind them that you are the king, the ruler of peace in their hearts. God, thank you for being so faithful to honor your word and speak to our hearts. Help us go out and live what we've heard today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.